welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It's episode 195. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons, and as always, I'm joined by the man with a plan, Mr. Mark Pearson Freeland. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Mike. I'm feeling pretty darn energetic, as well as some might say happy, as we reach uh, another classic book within our new happiness series. I'm pretty excited to dig in. How are you finding the series so far, Mike? I'm uh, I'm actually learning a ton in this series, but I think listening to you, Mark, it sounds like you may have found a secret formula, perhaps an equation. Yes, that's right. Off the back of our explorations and adventures into Dan Harris, Tal Ben-Shahar, as well as last week's episode on the Dalai Lama. Today, listeners and subscribers, we are digging into Neil Pasricha's The Happiness Equation. Now, Mike, this is a pretty uh, uh, interesting addition to our happiness series. This book uh, by Neil Pasricha, who, by the way, has authored about nine books, uh, several online journals. Interestingly, this book, The Happiness Equation, was originally written as kind of like a love letter to his unborn son as to how to live a happy life. And it's the result of a huge amount of uh, searching and research that Neil Pasricha did for over a decade into the wisdom of many, many different people. So as I'm thinking about this show and our happiness series, what a perfect moment to now step into, uh, like you say, a little bit of a formula or a little bit of an equation and really find out, well, how do we become happy? What do you reckon? Does this feel like a good addition to the Moonshots Library? Not only is it a good addition to our library, Mark, I actually feel that this is perhaps the most comprehensive playbook operating manual for happiness that we've had yet on this series. All the uh, other gurus, superstars, and authors that we have learned from so far have given us different angles, different looks at happiness. Um, And I think Neil Pasricha, he's really giving us not only this great equation, but nine secrets uh, to happiness, which after this show will no longer be secrets, Mark, because all you moonshotters will be doing them left, right, and center. I think this is archetypically, classically breaking down a really amorphous subject um, and what we're going to reveal is through all these clips, there's some big ahas in how we need to think and work on happiness, but also some real practical things you can do not to make happiness something uh, that you're like hoping for mm. when you've got a little bit more gray hair and you're sort of semi-retired, but we want to invert uh, that future and bring it right into the present. And I think that's what's on offer with uh, the work of Neil Pasricha and his book, The Happiness Equation. So, Mark, having painted this landscape, where do we turn next on this adventure? Do you think we're ready to unleash the happiness equation on our listeners? Well, look, I think you've done the perfect setup, Mike, but I think there's one that's even better for our listeners and members. And that's actually hearing from the author himself, Neil Pasricha, introducing the book to you and I, as well as all our Moonshots family, and really discussing what not only drove him to write the book, but also how to apply awesomeness. The Happiness Equation is a book that will change how you think about everything, your time, your career, your relationships, your family, and ultimately, of course, 
your happiness. Please welcome the Pied Piper of all things awesome and now happy, Neil Pazricha, best-selling author. <laughs> You've done it again with this one. We're all on that universal quest. How did you go from the Book of Awesome, which did so well, yeah. to this? Because Book of Awesome stemmed from a dark time in your life. It did. And then uh, my wife told me she was pregnant on the flight home from our honeymoon. And when I landed home in Toronto, I, I said the same thing as a lot of parents do, which is I want my child to be happy. Yeah. And so I couldn't find an action book, like a manual, you know, on how you actually get there. So I started writing a 300-page Word document as a letter to my unborn child. And that letter is out now as the happiness equation. It really is the letter I wrote to my son. I was reading it this week, and the thing I love, it's really digestible chapters. So you say, you actually encourage people, read it in different places. Yeah. How come? Well, because your brain is stimulated by different atmospheres and environments. If you crank it all out on one flight, that's great. But if you take it with you to the park, if you have it in your bag, some people have written on, on reviews online, you know, indigo.ca saying, I'm going to take it with me to the bathroom. You know what I mean? Like, everyone's got a different place, and different places and times can provoke different thoughts and different reactions. Sensory memories, right? Yeah. So one thing that you do is you, you talk about this equation, and oftentimes we say, study hard, plus get good grades mm -hmm. equals happiness. Yeah. You believe we should start with happiness, and it's like, what? How? <laughs> well, exactly. Everyone goes grows up thinking that, right? It's true. You know, my parents are immigrants. They said, you know, study hard, get good grades, be happy, work really hard, get promoted, be happy. But if you actually be happy first, if you choose to be happy, then you do great work. You're more productive, you're more creative, and then you have the big success later. So you're asking me, how do you be happy first? Yeah. There's a whole bunch of exercises that are proven to work. You can journal for 20 minutes at the end of the day about one positive thing you had happen that day. You can go on a brisk 20-minute walk. You can write down five gratitudes. You can close your eyes and meditate for a few minutes. Little simple things like that are proven to spend just 20 minutes a day and increase your happiness over yes, time. You talk about that, the habits, the, the habit forming. Exactly. So if it's seven straight days, I just did it. I walked 20 minutes a day for seven straight days. I can do it another seven. Exactly. All of a sudden, you've built this really good habit. Because you know what, Tina? Everyone thinks motivation causes action. Actually, what we found is that action causes motivation. Yeah. There's a principle in here on how I couldn't learn, I didn't know how to swim. You know, eventually when I just forced myself to sign up, I think I can, and then I want to do it. It's the same with any fear you have in your life. Yeah, and you say that 10%, talk about when you talk about 10% is what's given to us versus yep. how we see the world. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of flexibility yeah, there. People always say, well, what if I can't be happy? I'm just not. Now what? And the truth of the matter is the science suggests that only 10% of our happiness is based on our circumstances. More than four times times greater than that is a result of our intentional activities, meaning no matter who wins the U.S. election, you can actually control your happiness more by going on a walk, having a good dinner with your family, writing down five graduates, or going around the table and just saying, hey, what was the highlight of everybody's day? Yeah. As simple as that. And you mentioned also a chapter about the Blue Zones and Centennials and yeah. studying, you know, how are these people living to be 100, 101, 102? It's something called Ikigai. What yeah. is Ikigai? Well, the dream we all have that is completely wrong is retirement. We all want to retire. But truthfully, it's the totally backwards concept. The healthiest societies in the world, like those of Okinawa and Japan, have no word for retirement at all. Instead, they have a word called ikigai, I-K-I-G-A-I, which means the reason you get up in the morning. You know, what is your purpose? If you don't know where you're going, you won't know how to get there. A big source of our happiness is our work, and work gives us so much. It gives us social structure, stimulation, and story, and as a result, we become 
richer and we feel happier. So many incredible tips. And I know you are now committing your life to all things happiness. You've created yeah. your own institute. The Institute for Global Happiness, working to increase happiness in organizations. We found that the place people spend most of our time at work is a also a big place where people can improve their happiness around the world. It's so. true. I mean, yeah. I'm lucky enough to have my passion be my yeah. job. But listen, I had the crappy jobs where you had to do it because you had to do it. A lot of people have no choice and they hate yeah. their work life. How do you get happiness if you feel like you have no choice but to do what you're doing right now? Well, you have to think about, do I have friends at work? Am I getting social fulfillment? Do I have stimulation? Am I always learning something new? And do I believe in the story? Do I believe in the big picture mission of the place I'm at? You have to have those things in order to feel happy doing it. Yeah, and you can make change bit by bit, even if you're stuck yeah. in that situation now, to get out of it. Well, Mark, that may have been just such a big clip. I think we could just spend the rest of the show unpacking uh, no. that clip from, from Neil. That was epic, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, he obviously not only introduces what led him to write the book, The Happiness Equation, which, which as we've heard, was a kind of love letter to his, to his unborn son. But also he's really calling out, along with the presenter um, from BT Channel, is this uh, being a manual or a playbook or a set of actionable steps that we can all bear in mind as we open our eyes every morning and we go out with, I suppose, intention into our days. Happiness isn't something that we're sort of racing towards. I think this is a, quite a big reveal and a big build for me, Mike, as somebody mm. who certainly mm. grew up with the idea of, let's say, reaching um, a point of buying a nice car and then being happy or getting into a nice house and being happy. It was always happy at the end of this, this equation, this series of actions. I certainly was one of those people. And I think this is a really interesting build, similar to what we heard last week with the Dalai Lama, how happiness is a muscle that you should work on. And over time, it kind of gets stronger and stronger. I think the same penny drop moment or aha moment for me is happening right now with Neil, which is happiness should be the thing that you kind of begin with and that you have as an intention because then it can lead you to so many other things and, and moments of enjoyment within your day. So like I said, there's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> so you're absolutely right. Like bringing happiness forward is, I love this idea. I love the idea that it, you don't have to defer it. And I think this works beautifully with the idea in Tim uh, Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Workweek, which is mm. why would you defer life, work like a dog till you're like 60 deferring friendships and health and then with this idea of now I've got all this money but you're not well and you don't have any friends because you didn't invest in either. Mm. Um, I think this really parallels that. I think this idea that he mentioned in that clip, Mark, that actually you do control upwards of 90% of your happiness, mm. right? That's within your circle of control. And so it's a choice to build the actions and the habits every day of being happier. You, you don't have to sit there at your desk wondering, well, one day I'll reach the summit of the mountain the happiness mountain. Mm. No, no, you can just go out and do it. And this bias towards action is something as well, Mark, that he mentioned in the clip. This is another big moonshot topic. You know, having a bias towards action, getting it done, 
and the fact that you can start by doing things to bring you happiness. And it won't be easy, right? But you can crack on and build these habits. I mean, you know, it's James Clear, Atomic Habits, the intersections we're seeing already. We've only had one clip, Mark, and we're already <laughs> referencing the entire Moonshots library. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh, Neil, what have you done here? Um, look, I think this is setting us up for an action-packed show. In fact, what we're going to do, Mark, is we're going to unpack the equation that we mentioned. Uh, he has it right there on the cover of the book. Want nothing plus do anything equals have everything. And there's a whole set of ideas under that. You could say it a bit like pursue contentment and freedom and then happiness will come. Mm. Mm. We're going to show you how to do it. We're going to talk about how we, in our humble little ways, attempt to build these habits too. And together we can learn out loud and unpack the happiness equation. And I think this is exactly what we're about uh, on this show, learning out loud, doing it together. And the people who are doing it the most, Mark, are in fact our members, aren't they? Oh, I, I couldn't agree more, Mike. So as tradition dictates, going out, giving you all a lunar power dose of good karma, as well as the Moonshots family thank yous, goes out to dan, 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 Bob and Niles, John, Terry, Niall, Marjoline, Ken and Dietmar, Marjan and Connor, Rodrigo and Yasmin, Lisa, Sid, Mr. Bonjour and Maria, Paul and Berg, Kalman and David, Joe and Crystal, Evo and Christian, Hurricane Brain, Samuela, Kelly, Barbara, Bob, Andre and Matthew, Eric and Abby, Hosey and Joshua, Chris and Kobe, Damien, Deborah, Gavin, Lasse, Tracy, Steve, Craig and Lauren, Javier, Daniel, Andrew, Ravi and Ivette. Maybe I've got closer to pronouncing that name right this week, Mike. <laughs> I think. Mark, we're going to take you for a Dutch course. I need uh, to get more Dutch. Dutch as we would say, a Nederlands less. Uh, <laughs> It's Avert, uh, he will now become the most famous Moonshot member. Yes, that's through it. Through what is usually your strength, your your phonetics and, and linguistics, Mark. <laughs> uh, Avert, goeiemiddag, dank u wel. Um, it is great to to see people joining us. And, and Mark, uh, we're going to have to get you on a Dutch course. Are, are you ready for that? I am. I am. After we finish the happiness series, I'll, I'll get into, I'll book myself in for a bit of a linguistic uh, education. <laughs> very good. Very good. Listen, thank you to, to our members. We are deeply appreciative of your support. We also really do admire and respect the fact that uh, you guys stick around every month um, uh, for your lunar powered dose of good karma, moonshot karma, so that you can uh, shoot for the moon and do your very best. Thank you so much for your support. It helps us pay for all the bills that we get. And as I always mention, the more popular our show becomes, uh, the more expensive it gets for us to, uh, our hosting provider loves to send us very big bills for, for all the hosting costs. Uh, so we really do, uh, appreciate your support because you see value in the value that we're creating. And we love the fact that we can do this all together and learn out loud together. Mm. Now, it wouldn't be a moonshot show if we didn't dive into, throw ourselves into formulas, habits, and frameworks. And boy, Mark, we've got a good one here. In fact, we're going to start with this first big pillar, what uh, Neil uh, Pastricha calls in the happiness equation, the want nothing bucket. He's got three secrets in that. And of course, we picked the one that we think is the big 
power idea. And it's this real notion of be happy first. So let's have a listen to Neil, the author, talking about happiness. What are the simplest things I can do to be happy? Well, here's my first question. Do you have an hour? Can you give me an hour? No, this YouTube video is not going to be an hour long. I'm just going to give you three things that each take 20 minutes. If you can do them for an hour, I guarantee that an hour from now, you are going to feel in a better mood. All the three things are simple, they are easy, and they will get this done. Number one, get outside and go on a brisk 20-minute nature walk. Okay? A research report from Michael Babiuk and team published in the Journal of Psychosomatic Medicine showed that brisk nature walks actually outperform antidepressants and, more interestingly, the combination of antidepressants and nature walks. I'm saying just the walking alone outperforms the other two. So first thing you got to do is put on your running shoes, go outside, find a forest, find some trees, and just walk around, okay? Preferably with no lawnmower in the background for yourself. Number two, when you get home... That's 20 minutes. You got 20 more minutes. I want you to do the 20 minute replay. This means you get out a pen or a pencil, you get out some paper, and you journal for 20 minutes about one highlight of your day, earlier this day or from yesterday. You say, hey, it was so great. I was out in the park. The lawnmower drove far away. The sound went down. Whatever you want, just write it down because you know what happens? Your mind has something called the visual cortex in it. There's an area in it called Area 17. When the lawnmower drives away, that area lights up. When I write about the lawnmower driving away, that area lights up again. When I read my own journal about the lawnmower driving away, that area lights up a third time. That's why I call it the 20-minute replay, because you are replaying to yourself the highlights of your day. By the way, research on journaling was done by Slasher and Pennebaker down at the University of Texas, and they found that couples in a relationship were 50% more likely to stay together in their relationship if they simply journaled for two weeks, okay? Number three, now you're 40 minutes deep with me now. You got 20 minutes left. Here's my final piece of homework for you. Read 20 pages of fiction. Read 20 pages of fiction. According to a 2011 report in the Annual Review of Psychology, reading fiction fires your mirror neurons. Yeah, I'm using neuroscience to answer all this stuff for you guys today because you know what? You got to use the latest research in order to prove this to your left brain self, okay? You don't think that reading 20 pages of fiction, you think, I don't got time for that. I don't got time to read Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret by Judy Bloom. Yes, you do. You need time. You need to make the time because it will make you feel better. When you're lying in bed with Margaret talking to God, you feel like you're there. Those mirror neurons fire. If you're reading The Boys in the Boat, you're a boy in the boat. If you're reading Hamilton, you feel like Hamilton. So we know from the research that empathy, compassion, sympathy, and understanding in yourself all increases. Our reader lives a thousand lives before he dies. A man who never reads lives only one. 20 pages of fiction takes you into another life and it absolves you a little bit and it like makes you worry less about your own problems. To summarize, go on a brisk 20-minute nature walk, do a 20-minute replay of journaling about something awesome in your day, and finally read 20 pages of fiction. If you can do those three things, taking one hour, come talk to me, leave me a comment at the end, tell me how you feel. I guarantee you, you will feel better and you will feel happier. Boom, Mike. I mean, look, Neil's done our job for us. You know, three such <laughs> practical tips that are so easy, I would argue, to inject yes. into our lives. 
And you can do them right now, huh? You could do them right. Well, maybe not right now because we want obviously our oh, listeners yeah, to finish the podcast. To finish the podcast, unless you're doing the 20 minute walk section. Of course, that's fine. But for me, I really, really like uh, the connection that I think actually I can see back to Robin Sharma's 5 a.m. club. Oh, totally. I was having the same thought. Like he has a different system for his three things mm. in an hour. Mm. Neil has the same. But uh, of the three, walk, journal, and reading fiction. Which one do you do the most and which one is are you doing the least? Well, I think the, the one I do the most is is walking, getting outside, which is great. As we've talked about on the show before, the idea of daily exercise for me is pretty essential, uh, not necessarily because I'm a, a gym nut, but more because it just helps me think, it helps me clear my head, as well as appreciate the, uh, I guess, the outside living within Sydney. Then I do um, a fair amount of journaling, this idea of reflection, this idea of replaying. I think that's a nice build. Mm -hmm. The idea of not only compartmentalizing everything in your head onto a piece of paper, but actually reliving maybe joyful moments as you're writing them down. Wasn't it good to to hear the science behind that and how the reliving it helps you feel that emotion again and how good that is for you? I, I never really thought about it like that. Even when we were digging into Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights and he, as we remember, he was reliving at kind of those big moments when he was reflecting and rereading his journal. I think where we're hearing, what we're hearing from Neil Pasricha is actually a build on the idea or the value of journaling. Once we hear about that science and the couples staying together 50% more uh, because they just journal for a couple of weeks together. This idea of um, seeing real scientific benefit behind uh, a fairly simple act of journaling is not necessarily something that I think we've come into. So mm. that's a great build. But I actually really like this edition of the read fiction, Mike. I think this idea of living maybe a thousand lives um, rather than just your own because you're living through fiction. I think that's, again, that's a nice, lovely little build as I consider this idea of happiness, right? And you know what? I I do read fiction almost daily, mm. but um, not because of the reasons that Neil uh, mentions there, but simply because I do it at the end of the day in the evening before I go to sleep. And uh, I've always found that if I read something work-related, it gets me thinking Mm. about work and then I become restless and I want to kind of jump on it and work on it. So my, my, the really funny thing about my habit is like I deliberately read anything and everything except anything work-related. Yeah. So I won't even read uh, things about productivity uh, late at night because that'll yeah. just get me too excited about being productive. Yeah. So I, I'm really delighted to hear that there's actually some deeper reasons for that. And, you know, Mark, it is, it's really quite a wonderful experience to read fiction at night before you go to bed because it sort of takes you to another world and, you know, creates just some separation mm. and it makes, for me, it just sets the scene perfectly to go to sleep. Um, frankly, I'm sort of hooked on all three, Mark. And, and they're, I know. they're a huge part of, of my day. I think that the, um, the underrated um, fact is that if you do each of these three things, 
you only you, you can start with 10 minutes of walking, 10 minutes of journaling, 10 minutes of reading. Um, but there really is some truth to doing them every day, isn't there? There is mm. like we we learned about the compound effect from James Clear in Atomic Habits. Mm-hmm. But I think I, I want to know what's your experience been making these things like religious for you, like every single day, what benefit has it brought you and, and how do you, how do you make sure you do it every day? Well, I, I think the benefit that I see from, uh, exactly like you say, I, I would certainly reference James Clear here as well, this compound interest. And it's very much something that I think we were again, referencing, going back to Dalai Lama, the idea of your uh, concept of happiness, maybe it's like a muscle and your gratitude uh, compounds and gets bigger. The more and more you reflect on something that, that you feel gra- uh, gratitude towards, let's say it's a blue sky, the more you notice and have gratitude for the blue sky, the more happy you feel next time you see it because you're mm. building it up. Um, so I really like this idea of gratitude. Specifically, maybe I'm biased because we're halfway through a a happiness series, but that's something I've been working on for a while. And it's quite fascinating to see the effect it does have by just something that we've probably referenced on the show many, many times. And a lot of moonshotters that we've covered have maybe referenced the idea of gratitude. You know, you were talking about Tim Ferriss earlier. And it's something that I think I can definitely see having uh, a build and becoming maybe a little bit more noticeable every time I do it. And the way that I encourage myself to do it is again, I mean, the listeners and members are probably bored of us saying it, Mike, but it's, it's to-do lists. And specifically it's the software Todoist, um, whereby I'll get a, a daily reminder to go for exercise or notice something around me or pick up the phone and call a loved one, whatever it might be. It's something that after a while becomes something that you don't really need the list for anymore. It just becomes a habit, doesn't it? You do it a number of times and slowly yeah. it starts to become more regular. How about you? Um, I definitely try and get things journaling. I always front load into the morning and reading in the end. And I, I always try and walk or run uh, before 11 a.m. That's sort of how it plays out for me. Um, interesting thing is anytime after lunch, forget it. Just <laughs> running is just not happening for me. So I will take a walk. Um, I love a, a really practical way uh, to incorporate walking is if you have a good enough cell connection, if you have a call um, where you can just take it walking, you get a two for one, don't you? Yeah, you get your exercise and you're a little bit more productive doing your doing your job, Yeah. So I think you're right. Allocating um, these as like daily to-dos. I mean, I literally have had uh, 30 minutes of exercise, either walking or running, in my to-do list as a daily thing, seven days a week for years and years. Mm -hmm. And and I live by it. And there are times when I know I've got like busy mornings and things like I can find myself at four going, oh my gosh, I still haven't walked, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so it, it building uh, this, this system with your to-dos, but also looking at the, the, the day parts and 
really, I think you have to be really tough on yourself that I would say these three things, not just the pursuit of happiness, but just feeling good in yourself Mm. are like uh, what I would categorize as non-negotiables. Yeah, they're they're essential, aren't they? You know, in my um, life, there's certainly things that that I need to do, maybe not necessarily specifically in order to feel happy, like you say. I think happiness in in, in that case is almost a um, an, an, a happy accident. Maybe <laughs> mm-hmm. it's something to just get me in the frame of 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 working efficiently and thinking efficiently. Um, and happiness, I think, maybe is is actually. Uh, although maybe not the intention, but it's certainly the outcome. And that's therefore what makes you maybe a little bit of a better leader, better partner, um, whatever it might be. I think that's that's true. So what we've done now is we've really addressed the first part of uh, Neil's equation, haven't we? We've kind of got the want nothing, correct? That's right, which I think in itself is, as we heard from Neil earlier, uh, the other way around, instead of working towards happiness, I mean, look at this. We're only halfway through the show, Mike, and we've already given away the answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but it's a big one. Like, make happiness a priority today. Make this moment a happy moment. Don't defer it because you'll always be chasing that. But, Mark, what comes next? If we've got the want, nothing, right? Be happy right now. Be Be content in this moment. What comes next? Well, yeah, if we're being content in this moment, and as we heard from uh, Tal Ben-Shahar, working on your own happiness is not a selfish act. You're doing it for yourself. What then comes next within Neil Pasricha's happiness equation is the idea of doing anything, Mike. And I think similar to what you were saying earlier, if you've got your first part of the want nothing, helping us all achieve and notice and maybe being a little bit more content, the do anything space within this equation is really more about this idea of freedom. And what we're going to hear next from uh, our next speaker, actually, Mike, within the show is a little guy that our members and subscribers have heard from before, which is Brian from Optimize. And Brian is now going to help us really understand this concept of freedom and how we can preserve our time with a little action called time blocking. Second big idea is to plus one hour in your day. How do you add an hour to your day? Neil tells us, block access to you. In another episode on procrastination, we talked about the fact that simply removing email notifications, quit distracting yourself with those email notifications would actually add an hour of time. No, it was a month to your year. This is what these guys, the experts in procrastination said. You'd add a month to your year if you simply removed email notifications. That's crazy. Add an hour to your day and you add 250 hours over the course of a year. That's over six weeks. Again, how do you do that? Block access to you. Too many people are constantly available from anyone at any time via any medium. You can text me. You can email me. You can call me on this number or that number. You can do whatever you want to do right? Get in touch with me. I'm always available. Well, when you're always available and you don't block access to your mind, you can't get any deep work done Cal Newport style, right? You need to create those time blocks where people can't get in touch with you. And as you, as you do that, you're going to do better quality work and a higher quantity of work. He talks about, and we talk about it a little bit more in the note, having a bell that people can ring, right? If you're really need someone, if someone really needs to get in touch with you, fine, they can do this one way to get in touch with you, right? 
but you don't have an infinite number of ways. So think about that. Create those deep work time blocks by blocking access to you, and you're going to boost the number of hours you have in a day. Neil also talks about the myth of multitasking. Won't go off on that right now. So true, the myth of multitasking, but talk about bringing back one of the classic moonshot practices, which is time blocking, like owning your calendar. And and there is nothing better than taking something that's really important and feeling a bit frustrated because you can't get to it today, but the release comes when you plan it for tomorrow or the day after, Mm. and you can be good with the fact that something important has been planned into your calendar. If you want to learn more about doing that, you need to get into the Eisenhower matrix, which we've studied a fair bit. So head over to moonshots.io, check it all out. We've got lots there on the, on the Eisenhower matrix, but Mark, if you want to have space, um, if you don't block your calendar, lots of things are going to sneak in there, particularly if you're working with a team, right? All these calls to start appearing in your calendar. (laughs) And then the other thing is that um, you're also competing for your attention. You know, notifications are flying in left, right, and center. So either you're going to be bashed around by notifications and hundreds of calls, or you're going to take control of the situation. And I think that's how you get some freedom. You dictate the terms, Mm. not others. It's very in line with what we learned from Cal Newport and a world without email, isn't it? It, it totally is. And I think the build that uh, Brian is helping us understand from Neil Pasricha's work is how connected the idea of happiness is to this feeling of being overwhelmed and mm. distracted. You know, we've heard about the, the value of digital minimalism and, and time blocking from Cal Newport. And I think the great build that I'm seeing here is if you want to be more efficient and do higher Uh, a higher quantity of work, but also a better quality of work, compartmentalizing your day, taking ownership and prioritizing it and preserving your time is a way to do that. But I like the addition of, and if you do do this, you will be happier because you'll be uh, maybe more relaxed. You'll feel that the output that you're creating for your team or your your business is a lot higher. You'll be more, I, I would say, patient, you know, if I've got uh, Slack messages or text messages, phone calls, calendar invites, I'm therefore going to be distracted. And let's say I'm simultaneously looking into um, a show on Neil Pasricha. You know, we're pulling together the Moonshot show. If I've got all these things going on, what's naturally going to happen? Well, the quality of work will go down. And that'll make me unhappy because I want the quantity, uh, sorry, the quality of the work that I create to be as good as I can. Exactly. And I, I love that, uh, that connection and that build that we're now hearing from something that we've uncovered or discovered before and now seeing it connected into this realm of happiness again. Yes. It's such a, a valuable uh, build, I'd say. Yeah. I, I can only encourage all of our listeners to, you know, get into some time blocking, allocating time in your agenda. And the best thing to do is I've found is every Monday, look at your calendar and claim time Mm. that is allocated to your priorities. So if you need to work on a report, block that time, like nine o'clock Monday morning, you need to be blocking that time for the rest of the week. What gets a little bit next level is if you do reflect on your midterm calendar. So I'm talking 
over the coming weeks or months, one of the things that I do is I write down the key dates uh, for the coming two months uh, for myself, particularly with travel, uh, social commitments or big deliverables or events that I'm involved in. And that helps me uh, block out time because I'm like, ooh, I might need time to prepare, work on things, uh, travel time, all of those sorts of things. All those things that you tend to forget about and then you realize, oh, I've planned a call when I need to be traveling, all of those sorts of things. So, you know, know that freedom comes from taking control of your space, be that as a calendar, where you're going to be, the effort, the time, the allocation, the preparation for things like carve things out in that calendar and good things will happen. And Mark, Mm. I tell you who else has got good things happening for them is Alan B 73 from Canada. Cause you know what he did, Mark? He went into his Apple podcast app and he left us a very, very nice review. I mean, isn't that amazing, Mike? The fact that we can, uh, hear from you, our listeners, every single time you leave us a rating or a review, including Alan B73, who's calling out uh, the podcast is inspirational, uh, brings to mind best practices and cutting edge ideas that we can start implementing. Alan B, you're totally right. That's exactly the intention and objective we have here on the Moonshot Show. And for listeners who uh, are dialing in every single week, Please hop along to uh, your podcast app of choice, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or any of the other uh, multitude out there, and leave us a rating or review because it really does make a difference, doesn't it, Mike? It really does, and it doesn't matter where you are. We've got uh, La Aurora Coco from France <laughs> left us a review. Uh, Lofi from Vietnam also left us a review. So it doesn't matter where you are on this wonderful planet, you can learn out loud together. You can leave us a rating or review. It really helps people discover the show. We're very grateful for it. When our listeners and members get in there and give us a thumbs up, give us a five star, leave us a rating or a review. And if you want to take things next level, you can certainly start by reviewing or rating our show. The other thing you can do is you can get into the do circle, which is something that is essential for happiness. The do circle. So most people, when they think of motivation, think of it along these lines. They think that it needs to go, okay, well, I, I can do, I think I can do something. And then uh, in order for me to actually do it, I also need to want to do it. And then if those two things are in place, I will do it, right? This is how I certainly often think about motivation. I need to think I can do it. I need to want to do it. And then boom, I get to doing it. He says, well, that's one way to do it, but a much more effective way to do it is to make the do a circle. So rather than thinking you need to go through this equation, why don't you just do it? And then as you do it, you get a deeper belief that you can do it and you create a momentum such that you want to do it. The do circle, starting with the do rather than thinking you need to have these things in place first. And what's funny is, the day that I got this book, the day after I got this book and I was reading it, I took a break to interview Tal Ben-Shahar. Tal Ben-Shahar is one of my favorite teachers, one of the world's leading positive psychologists, and he has a great idea on dealing with procrastination called the five-minute takeoff. So I asked him about that, and it's basically the do circle. And he said, look, he's a professional writer, basically. He's a teacher and he writes, and he loves to write, but most morning he says he doesn't feel like it. He doesn't want to write in the morning. 
But that doesn't matter. He knows, because he's a scientist studying these things, that feelings often follow behaviors. That by taking action, you actually feel inspired, even if you didn't feel inspired in the beginning. So this is the whole Chuck Close, inspiration is for amateurs. The professional gets this do circle, and they just do it. And when you do it, Neil goes back to uh, his favorite physicist, right, Sir Isaac Newton. First law, right, is an object in motion tends to stay in motion. When you start doing something, there's a momentum that's created, and the positive feelings follow you engaging in the behavior. So remember, if you're telling yourself you need to feel like you can do it, you need to really want to do it, in order to do it, you can flip that around, just do it, and then you're going to have a growing sense of being able to do it and wanting to do it, etc. I love this idea, Mike, <clears throat> of the do circle, uh, or as Brian references, Talbin Shahar's five-minute takeoff. I think the do circle for me is is a, an easier, I suppose, visualization. This constantly feeding itself process, whereby if I start to do something, I'm then inspired to do it again. And again, going back to the James Clear work that we were referencing earlier with the 1% better, as well as Atomic Habits. I think this is, again, really feeding that fire, isn't it? If you can just start to do something with a little bit of intention, let's say it's noticing that you're feeling happy or you have gratitude for something. If you start to kick it off, gradually the momentum will build and it'll become easier and easier Mm. over time. And Again, it's going back to this equation, isn't it? You don't reach the end and hang up your coat and say, all right, I'm done. <laughs> it, can, it can go back and feed itself. I, I think it's such a, an interesting visual. Well, first of all, uh, it just made me think, we actually have on our future show list coming up soon, a Sir Isaac Newton show nonetheless, huh? I know. I couldn't. We have placed that clip from Brian. <laughs> well, <done>. anymore, <laughs> now let's. So let's get into this. I cannot tell you how many times in my younger years I allowed fear of failure or self doubt stop me from even attempting things. You know that feeling of, oh, I'll never be any good or the goal is too big. And I cannot stress how much I work on this bias towards action, a big theme that's coming from Neil's book actually. And starting small is the best way to do it. I mentioned earlier, you want a journal? Just write one word. We've talked about this before, haven't we, Mark? If Mm. you're not much of a writer and you want a journal, just say, answer this question. How do I feel now mm, in this mm. moment? One word. And what's the bet, Mark? Pretty soon you'll say, well, uh, actually I've got more to say than just the one word, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's similar to uh, Neil's advice about the 20 minutes at a time. If you are starting to, let's say, read for 20 minutes, you might realize, actually, I'm getting quite a lot of value out of this. I might carry on. And again, this comes back to this idea of the do circle, doesn't it? If you have that bias towards action and you start to just do something, whether it's one word or one minute of an activity, a positive activity a day, then gradually you start to appreciate, hey, this is either A, 
really fun <laughs> or B, this is kind of easy. You're then going to, at least in, in my experience, Mike, going to create more of a pattern to follow it because you get something out of it. It's mm. exactly the same experience that I had with journaling. It was a bit of a struggle at the beginning. I was totally. overthinking it. Yeah, I was thinking too much about what I was writing. Did, what did I want it to be? Dear journal, this is what <laughs> I did today. Or was it something that I wanted to become a best-selling book in 30 years time? I was in too much of my head. Gradually over time though, maybe it was as quick as a couple of days or maybe a week or two, I started to get into the 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 swing of it, so to speak. I started to just immediately pick up the pen and just start writing rather than sitting back thinking, what shall I write? And it became quite easy. And in it, because of it became, let's say, easy or less frictional, I then enjoyed it a lot more. And then it became a lot more of a habit because that bias towards action had encouraged me just to to pick up the pen one day and, and just start doing it. Was that a similar experience to to yourself? I know you've been journeying for a long time. Uh, yeah, and it, I see that pattern in a lot, Mark. Like I'm always like break things into small things and just start, mm. just start. Um, and it's amazing how I still have to go, no, Mike, you don't need to think about it anymore. Just mm. Do it, Mike. Um, and I think just propelling yourself and um, just being ready to say, okay, let's see where this takes me, try. And mm. what's so good is once you kind of have been on a path of mastery one time in one part of your life, then you can always then go, hmm, well, it basically starts have a go, try, experiment, start building habits gradually increase over time, build the confidence, reflect on what's working, reflect on what's not working and, you know, change and adapt. Uh, to me, that seems to be like this do circle is build momentum through starting mm. small and growing from there. I mean, this to me, I mean, it's not just an equation for happiness. It's, it's life itself, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. And, and it's funny, I think the, the blocker that a lot of us have to action. The thing that we don't want to begin exposing ourselves to is the fear of not being happy with the end result, isn't it? Whether it let's, again, going back to the idea of journaling, what's it going to be? Do I want it to uh, eventually be reread? And it reminds me very much of Elizabeth Gilbert with Big Magic, the idea of uh, creativity. Mm. Instead of constantly overthinking or worrying about what it is that you're going to go and create. Instead, just enjoy that journey and enjoy the fact that nobody else has done it like you have. And whatever you create will be valuable to you, yes. even if it's just an experience. And I think that's the, the thing as I'm thinking about uh, happiness as well as the actions. And this is a very action-heavy equation from Neil Pasricha, is rather than worrying about where it is that you're going to lead, again, similar to where Neil goes, you actually start with that end result, which you're trying to achieve, happiness. Mm. And then you can sort of enjoy that process and that journey that you go on in order to get, as he calls out, have everything. Because by that point, you're more comfortable with 
what it is that you're trying to maybe achieve, what it is that you're trying to keep within your, your do circle, your more um, considerate around how you respect your time. Mm. And it, it does, it just begins with that acceptance and ownership that you just got to start today and see where it leads you. I, I think, Mark, that we are in a war, each and every one of us. And the war we're in is with self-doubt, with our egos, uh, with fear. And what we continually learn, whether it's the pursuit of happiness with Neil Pasricha, whether it's the pursuit of doing uncommon things with David Goggins, what we have to realize is that so much of the battle is in our minds that is stopping us from going out in the world and doing the things and being the best version of ourselves. And I think that if we can do anything for each other and for our listeners, Mark, is to make make everybody aware that it begins with the choice to not accept fear and self-doubt as a default, but rather to accept they are conditions that we can overcome. Mm. And I believe what we're seeing here, as we think about happiness, is that we can actually find that happiness in our day with those small things, those walks, right, those, that journaling, all those sorts of things that can bring us happiness in the now. It is a choice to go and make those happen. It's a choice to prioritize them. And I think all of this is a different way of saying that you need to get yourself right if you want to make the people around you right, if you want to Mm. take care of them, support them, help them, have fun with them, enjoy life with them, you need to focus on getting yourself right. And that is conditioning yourself to get out there, get through the self-doubt, the the little whispers and the little words, the fear of failure, get through all of that and just have a go. Make the best version of yourself just 1% better every single day. Mm. And if you just keep on that, you will truly go places. And to bring this all together, let's have a listen now to Neil Pasricha talking about overvaluing yourself. What's the, what's the Ikea wardrobe kind of manual? You know, how do you make this happen in your life? And so in the book, I have all kinds of secrets, things like going on three 20 minute walks a week, doing some meditation, a journaling practice. They're simple, but as you pointed out, we're all too busy these days, you know? So the book doesn't offer new age wisdom. It offers age old wisdom. Mm -hmm. It's things that we all know, but we just don't do. And the whole goal of the book is to get people to start practicing some of some of the simple things that are proven to drive your happiness. Okay. So some of those things, and I mean, we are uh, in the middle of time. Tough times here yeah. in our province and yeah. uh, speaking to an audience who could have those concerns, well, money is stressing me out or, mm-hmm. you know, unemployment, things like this. So is really that the 20 minute walks, the meditation, sure. are those really going to change people's lives? Well, I do have another secret in the book called how to make more money than a Harvard MBA. Right. A Harvard MBA makes a graduating salary of $120,000. People get very obsessed with these numbers, but I do a little bit, a bit of math. And I compare the Harvard MBA salary to a teacher and to an assistant retail manager. And it turns out all three jobs pay $28 per hour hmm. when you do the math. Harvard MBA works way more hours. They don't have time to spend with their kids or time to shovel their own driveway or time to watch their garden come up in the spring. 
frame, which I know will happen eventually sometime around soon. So, <laughs> so it's like the point is to overvalue yourself. Okay, mm-hmm. I know the economy is in a hard place, but think about your time. Know that it's the precious, most precious resource of all. The richest man in the world can't buy more time. So, how do you overvalue yourself to make sure you're doing something you you actually love? Mm-hmm. And the richest man in the world can't necessarily buy happiness or contentment, no. as you mentioned. Yep. Now, was it really? It was your son. You mentioned uh, to me during the break as well that yeah. your wife revealed to you that you were going to be having a baby on your honeymoon, which yeah. is so exciting. On the plane. On the plane. <laughs> now, is this something that has really changed you? You seem yeah. to have had this positive attitude for a long well, time. Oh, thank you for saying that. You know, my parents were immigrants to Canada. My mom is from Kenya. My dad is from India. I feel lucky that as a child, like a lot of people, I got to grow up under the sense of wonder that an immigrant has in this new country. You know, when they went skiing for the first time, it was my first time. Yeah. When we went canoeing for the first time, it was my first time. And so I got that awe and wonder for the world around us. I have another secret on remembering the lottery and appreciating how much we already have. Just the fact that we are alive, that we get to live in Canada, that we have our health, that we have you know so much going for us is something that I try to appreciate every day. It's not always easy, right. but it can be done. Yes. Wow, Mike, that's Neil Pasricha bringing it home for us uh, within the happiness equation of show 195. I mean, Neil's touching upon the value that I think we have uh, started to uncover and dive into in today's episode around these different practices. And for me, he's really specifying in that clip, this idea of respecting or, or valuing or overvaluing, as he calls it, your time that you have available in order to, you know, enjoy yourself in uh, to be the best version of yourself with others, with your colleagues, with your family, with your friends. And this connection he's, he calls up about the, um, the Harvard versus teacher salaries, hmm. I think is quite an interesting one because it, it, it I, and I, I, the reason why I, I think it's quite interesting is just the, um, let's call it the avoidance of ego. I think instead of trying to be orientated around doing something that you're, um, you know, you're feeding your ego with, I think where he's calling out there, and obviously it's quite a quick little clip. He's specifying respect the time that you have and enjoy it no matter what, because at the end of the day, it kind of all works out in the end. We're all human, like the Dalai Lama was saying. So just enjoy the time that you do have, because at some point that time will, will kind of run out, unfortunately. Well, you know, the, the reminder for me is like, Every day, every hour matters and cherish it. Mm. Uh, you know, there's a great Steve Jobs quote, which, which has been paraphrased by many others, which is live every day like it's your last, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's certainly a very good way to kind of prioritize um, the things you're going to, to do. Make, make sure it counts, you know, quality time with friends. Uh, be present at the dinner table with family, you know, those sorts of things, um, really putting a value on yourself and going out and giving yourself a chance to shine in this world. Mm. Don't accept terms that are, that are not healthy. If you're a slave to your job that doesn't bring you fulfillment and satisfaction and you spend 40, 50, 60 hours a week doing that, how can Mm. that be a good thing? How How can can that, right? No. And, and the truth is, as, as I think we're uncovering on 
the happiness series is there's kind of only one person who can call this out or who can stop it. And it's a choice. It's it's not an outcome that you wait around for, right? No, it's something you have to, all of us have to proactively take ownership of right here, right now, because it will have an effect in the long run. It will have an effect on the way that we manage others, on the way that we prioritize our work, on the hours that we spend doing it by something as simple as, you know, prioritizing your week ahead, turning off notifications, maybe those random acts of kindness as the Dalai Lama was Mm. teaching us last week as well. All these things add into Neil's equation, don't they? They certainly do. And, And out of these three elements of the equation and these nine steps or secrets, um, which of them, Mark, uh, from Neil Pasricha's book, The Happiness Equation, which one is getting some extra examination from you? I th- it's, it's a really, this one's a really tough one, Mike, because we've got to a point of the happiness series where we're bridging mindset as well as habits and adoption. And there's so many little steps or practices in here that, you know, I, I really celebrate through the Moonshot Show already. But actually the big uh, reveal or, or new way of thinking for me from today is actually the starting with happiness. Mm. So be happy first, which yeah. is in his his first contentment space of the equation, want nothing. Mm. What about Very, you? Yeah, I, I like that one. I, I, I think the space thing, I think I've mm. the last three or four years have been so busy and dense. Um, finding some freedom and creating space is getting, getting my attention. So geez, yeah. big homework list, Mark, but <laughs> it was a good one. So I want to say thank you to you, Mark, for joining me on this adventure. And thank you to you, our listeners, and especially to our members here on show 195 of the Moonshots podcast, where we studied the happiness equation by Neil Pasricha. And boy, did we get a three-part equation. We got nine secrets. And it all started with this idea of don't defer happiness. Practice the happiness equation right here and right now. And it starts with wanting nothing. And we got some great tips for contentment, walking, journaling, reading some fiction too. Then the second part, do anything. It's all about freedom. Preserve your time and calendar. Block that thing. Protect it. And the third part is have everything. And there's so much inside of that, but you can start with your do circle and you will find some happiness. And this is all coming from this mindset of overvaluing yourself. Be the best version of yourself so that you can go out in the world and actually help others be the best version of themselves too. And I tell you what, that is what we are all about here on the Moonshots podcast. That's a wrap.